Hello and welcome to the Boundless Podcast. I am so happy you're here. Uh, I am your host, Ashley Raina Rath, and today I will be sharing my story of God's boundless grace in my life to hopefully point you in the direction of some examples where he might be serving up grace in your life. Um, So this is definitely a get to know me episode, so strap in. We're just going to get right into it. I actually grew up watching my mother just actively participating in her faith um, in a lot of different ways. She prayed openly in front of me. She went to church. She read her Bible. She survived through the terrible, tragic loss of my infant brother. And then she went on to serve so many others in crazy ways because of the strength and the faith that she developed through that loss. Uh, I was baptized. I enrolled in a Catholic elementary school. Um, Actually, I went to seven elementary schools. That's a story for another time. But when I fast forward, dropped out of college to be an entrepreneur, I joined a very small Bible study group um, led by my auntie and really began to actually seek the Lord. You know, there's a big difference between checking all of the boxes and going through all the quote unquote right motions. and actively seeking a relationship with God. So even though I grew up in an environment where people around me knew God and I was familiar with the church rituals and all that jazz, I had questions. I still have questions and that's good. I promise God can handle your curiosity. He's the one who made you with the heart that needs to know for itself. Um, So I figured I could find answers if I was just my resourceful self and decided to seek them out. So I attended this super small Bible study group where we did a study, the first study. I will never forget it. It was so long ago, but I'll still never forget it. We did this first little study on breaking free from our strongholds. And we explored scripture. We shared things about ourselves that I have never shared with others. And it was genuinely the first time that I saw my mom and my Nina and my grandma as actual people, as sisters in Christ. And not as like this untouchable, authoritative matriarch of my big family. It was refreshing. It was eye-opening. It changed me. It rooted itself in my heart. And uh, it taught me that we're all just out here doing our absolute best and nobody has all the answers. And that's why they were all there. They were seeking too. They were coming to the throne of the one true king the only one with the real answers to rest their heavy souls. Through the years of my Bible study, it morphed and it changed and it grew and it transformed as I morphed and changed and grew and transformed into a woman, into a deeper, more complicated, more fierce, more heavy at times, more layered, uh, definitely more purpose-driven. And we truly started to hear God's call on our lives to be the warriors that we are for the kingdom. In my mid-20s, I was definitely seeking God. Uh, The Holy Spirit was convicting me in many areas of my life that went against the ways of the world, but I was still placing myself in the driver's seat. And I was gripping that wheel, y'all, with a death grip that nobody could shake loose. I was obsessed with many things that weren't God. God was there, as he always is, but I was placing many things in his spot on the throne fitness and physical health and my appearance, my relationship and my obsession with working to change my boyfriend into this husband that he was not ready to be at the time, my business and in turn money. 
uh, I became obsessed with the things that the world tells us we're supposed to be obsessed with. Our goals, our vision, our dream boards, our bank account, our influence. I was building an empire. <laughs> and like I said, God was there, but he wasn't the North Star in my life. And he wasn't the foundation. And I wasn't tethered to him with this unshakable faith. I was actually really selfish. I was entitled. I was spiteful. I was self-centered. I was fragile. And I could feel that my life was this perfect balancing act of a million different things that had to be just so in order to maintain this happiness I needed everybody to see that I had. And I could come crashing down at the drop of a hat. And I did. Fast forward, I did. Over a few different things, actually. I came crashing down when my boyfriend, who is now my husband at the time, or who was my boyfriend at the time and who, who is now my husband, but boy, <laughs> does it feel like we are a completely different couple in the best way. Um, he left to chase his own dream of playing baseball for a living. I felt empty. I felt like without him, I was missing half of myself. I felt like this was the worst possible thing that could happen ever to me when I couldn't afford the rent alone to our first apartment. And I had to pack it all up and move back in with my parents at 25. Things were supposed to be so different. You know, um, I had it all planned out move in together at 25, married by 26, kids before 30, and then I would be happy, right? Uh, I crumbled in on myself when this happened. I'll spare you the sob story details right now because, uh, yeah, just a story for another time, but just know that it was dark times. It was dark times in my mental space and everyone around me knew it. The point is, I was fragile. I was easily rocked. I was a house built on a paper mache foundation and God knew it. You'll see his hand in so many different places along the way of the story, but just remember the part about me basically being forced <laughs> to be moved back to move back in with my parents at 25 when I tell you about year 26. Okay. Just remember that. Cool. I want to pause here and point a few things out. Uh, yes, I was shaky. Yes. I was spiritually immature and fragile Yes, I was making idols out of things that had no business being idols in my life. Yes, I had a death grip of control in my life, leaving no room for Jesus to take the wheel. But but he was still right there. He was still removing things from my life that didn't align with the purpose that he had for me. He was still whispering in my ear daily. He was still listening to the prayers of my mom and my grandma that covered me while I was still quote unquote, figuring it out myself. <laughs> if I had a theme song, that's what it would be called. I need to figure it out myself. Um, little important side note, never stop praying for the people that you love because I have absolutely no idea where I would be without those consistent prayers on my behalf from my family and sisters in Christ. He didn't see that chapter of my life and go, oh, well, this one doesn't get it. She's out or never mind. I don't want this one anymore. Or forget it. I'll just let the enemy have her. Nope. He said, I'm going to bring her closer. He said, my daughter is made for great things. She's made in my image. Though she is unworthy, I will extend her grace anyways. Notice how that has absolutely nothing to do with me and everything to do with who he is. I might have felt lost, but I never... 
I, I felt lost, but he never lost me. Not even close. So the Bible references in Romans uh, 8.38, it says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can just end this podcast right there, right? So even though I felt lost, he never lost me. And I think that's important to point out if you are in a season right now where you are feeling lost, take heart. Okay, okay. So 25 was a train wreck, but it was my train wreck, right? 26 rolls around and one day after an intense 6 a.m. workout, because I could definitely get a brilliant workout, but I couldn't possibly find time to pray for a whole hour of my time. (laughs) No, I came home undressed, threw on some Mariah Carey, jumped in the shower and uh, I was scrubbing my underarm and I felt a lump. It was a little bit smaller than like a golf ball. It was a perfect circle. It was hard, like as a rock. I thought, "Mm, that's weird. Um, I was like, that's new. (laughs) Then I was like, I can't think about this stuff right now. I have so much stuff to do today. Um, And I just went on about my merry way. It took me about a week before I mentioned it to my boyfriend. I mean, we had both just moved back in with our parents and I'm not going to bug him with something like this. Big eye roll, right? Uh, And a little bit longer than that to mention it to my friends and one of my best friends, Pooja, who is in present day an actual medical doctor. She felt it with her hands. I made her feel it. She kept a calm tone of voice and she said, you should go in and get that looked at just in case. It's probably nothing, right? But I could see it in her eyes. I mean, we had been friends for years. She thought it was something and she didn't want to say it. So she didn't want to freak me out. She loves me. (laughs) So I went in. Uh, I got the most traumatizing biopsy there ever was in the existence of the world. Let me tell you, it was torture and a half. It was a Friday. The tech said, this looks normal. It's most likely nothing. So we had a pretty normal weekend. I mean, we went to the movies, we had dinner, we did workouts, we had family time. Everything was just so regular. Monday morning, I was sleeping in my husband's old room, boyfriend at the time, the tiniest little cubby in the garage of his parents' house like literally a twin bed against the wall. I still cannot actually believe that we ever used to sleep so comfortably in there together. Um, When my phone rang 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, I was asleep. Like I was definitely knocked out. It actually woke me up. I answered it and it was the OBGYN who referred me um, for the biopsy. She said, good morning, Ashley. I'm sorry to tell you this, but it turns out that your results show it's actually breast cancer. I'm so sorry. When I tell you that time actually froze for a minute, I'm being so freaking serious. I could tell you exactly where everything was in that room, how the furniture was arranged, like what sheets, the sheets felt like on my skin, the expression on Alex's face as he like leaned in and curiosity, like what was I just told? And in that exact moment, you guys, I kid you not in that exact moment, the Ashley that I was, the Ashley that I had known my whole life she died. That was the last moment I remember being that version of myself. God had reached down his hand into the tiny corner 
of La Palma, California, that was my whole world, and plucked me right out. He reached down and answered the prayers of my grandmother. He reached down and made the first move to stop the building of my empire and start the foundation of me being a part of the building of his. It makes me think of a scripture again. Luke. Luke is my favorite book. P.S. B.T. Dubs. Luke 17.33. This is what it says. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. Mm. And if you let your life go, you will save it. Mm -hmm. So I wrestled with this news initially screaming out and crying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, over and over. And Alex just grabbed me and held me as I literally wept for a good five minutes at least. I don't really remember, to be honest, but ultimately I had to let go. I mean, what other choice did I have? See, see, see how God did that for me there? Fast forward a little bit. After I told my parents and they immediately like mobilized and helped find the right doctors and schedule the right appointments and remind me I'm going to be okay. And all the things that incredible parents would do in this situation. Fast forward even more. And I told the rest of my family that what was going on and, you know, I helped them all come to terms with the reality that I would be getting pretty sick here really soon. Um, the doctor's appointments started, the surgeries happened, the chemo started. I lost my hair. I gained 30-ish pounds. I lost feeling in my foot. I could barely sleep. I had gushing nosebleeds that lasted hours. I was basically writhing in pain most days. I stared into the eyes of everyone around me who was scared, but faithful, but super unsure, but hopeful, but shaky. I felt surrounded by people who loved me. And yet I felt like so alone. I was literally stripped of everything that I tied my identity to. Everything. I lost my ability to run my business. I lost my physical fitness, which I had mentioned before was like the center of my life. My hair, which is such a security blanket of femininity as defined by the world, really. I lost my independence. I really didn't think the hair thing was going to be as big of a deal as it was, but it was so hard. It was worse than chemo. Um, I lost my independence. Like I said, I needed help. I needed help with everything. I was broken down to literally the bare bones. And that, that is exactly where my heavenly father wanted me. He loves me so much that he had no problem. <laughs> he said, no, daughter, I refuse to let you go. I refuse to sit back and let you keep death gripping the steering wheel. He said, I'm going to put you in a position where you only have two choices, to let go and let me drive or crash the car completely. I learned to spend time with him without distractions. I learned that his peace is something that is so beyond understanding, yet something so real and tangible that it's just, like nothing else in the world. It's an enigma. <laughs> I started to rely on what he said about me instead of what the world said about me. I learned that I am who I am because he loved me first. I learned that there was a better way to live. There was a life of freedom on the other side of surrender. I learned that he can be trusted. I learned that everything on this earth is temporary and that his love can actually penetrate the thickest of brick walls you build around yourself if you only allow him to put a sledgehammer in your hand and position you to swing it. 
after 10 rounds of intense chemo, 31 rounds of radiation and surgery to remove the cancer, I was finally free from the pain of breast cancer and the strongholds that the enemy pretty much had on my life, my whole life. I came out of the experience in some ways more whole than I had ever been before. And in some ways more aware of my brokenness than I had ever been before. No, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Actually, my friends, you can actually be broken and whole at the same time. Um, we all are. As of today, I'm four years, seven months and nine days cancer free. Woo. I'm still on hormone therapy for another seven months. Um, and still sorting through a whole lot of baloney that comes with life after, after cancer. Um, but I am more kind, more empathetic, less selfish, less self-centered. I'm so much more humble, less prideful. Wow, I'm so much less entitled and way more grateful. I am built now on a firm foundation. That fragile girl I used to be was lost. She was looking for validation in all the wrong places. She was full of fear and she was empty. God didn't give me cancer. Okay. Just making that real clear. He didn't give me cancer. Okay. But I believed that he used that experience to deepen my roots and to build my trust in him, to release me from the strongholds of the enemy and of this world, to help me, to prune me. He allowed it to position me. See, God put this podcast on my heart like a long time ago, and I have let so much fear and neglect and not feeling ready or knowledgeable enough to get, you know, to get it done. I, I, I let it get in the way for a really long time. I read something today that said, there is no obedience too small for God to work miracles with. I know I'm never going to be ready, y'all. I know now there is always going to be something else to take up my time. There's always going to be thoughts in my head about why I cannot step forward in faith. I can't think of a cute, catchy name. I don't have the right equipment. <laughs> I don't even know how to record this. I really don't think anyone wants to listen to my voice. I, I don't know enough about scripture or the Bible. I feel so repetitive. I should be focusing on my business. This is way too personal. Nobody wants to hear this. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. The list goes on. The truth is we are as obedient to God and his will as we choose to be. Our God is not an overbearing, pushy type. Okay. He's soft and subtle most of the time, at least when it comes to our free will and our convictions. He wants us to want him. It somehow like means more super like relatable, right? Don't hear this incorrectly. He will never stop giving you chances to choose him. If today you choose fear, you still get to wake up tomorrow and choose courage. Okay, so in Lamenta Lamentations, uh, it says, his mercies are made new each morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are made new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So obedience is like not natural for me. I don't like naturally follow directions easily. <laughs> I need to know why. I need to know when. I need to know like how much, what will happen if I have to figure things out the hard way, usually by refusing to do it the way that I'm told. And then ultimately discovering that I would have saved so much like time, energy, money, effort, heartache, all of it. If I just listened the first time, my mother will be the first to tell you that this is consistently true in my life. And I've, as I've deepened my relationship with 
God, I've learned that I don't actually have to be that way with him. I'm still working on not being that way with humans, but one thing at a time, okay? In fact, I can't be that way with him. He won't be able to use me or use anything that I do if I don't, by my own fruition and, you know, my own choice, allow him to take over. He actually won't be able to use anything that I do if it's by my own brute strength. It is literally only through faith that he gets the glory. You were made for so many purposes, but the main one, like the all-encompassing, ever-engulfing, like unveiling one, is that you were made for his glory. He wants to use you. He wants to move through you. He wants to make impact, create love. He wants to spread his word, save souls. He wants to literally move mountains. He wants to perform miracles, strengthen belief, just through little old you, you know? I actually have struggled for a long time with the word glory. Um, imagine me as like the self-centered, egotistical girl I was before cancer. Remember her? Coming to terms, if you will, with the fact that I don't actually deserve the glory. I don't get to be the center of attention. I don't get to be the star of the show, topic of conversation, or like the one who gets like the credit, okay? This used to be a big ego bruiser for me. It was a gut punch, as some people say. It was a hard Alanis Morissette jagged little pill to swallow for me. Um, and a truth that I, I, I just didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear that for so long. The world teaches us, okay, this is what the world teaches us. I am powerful. I am worthy. I am love. I am strong. Sound familiar? No, baby girl, these are half-truths. Half-truths. You are powerful because he lives within you. You are powerful by his authority. You are worthy of nothing without his grace. You feel love and you give love because he first loved you. You are strong when you're actually weak so his power can be made perfect in that weakness. If you're new to your faith or even for some of you who are not new to your faith, this can sound like I'm saying like you're totally worthless. So I want to clarify really quick. You are, in fact, special. You were created in the likeness of the one true king. He didn't have to create you. He wanted to create you. You were knit together in your mother's womb by him. You were specifically designed with unique gifts and strengths and purposes that nobody else on earth can fulfill. The trouble that I'm trying to help you avoid is thinking that you are all of those things on your own. You are not meant to carry it all on your own. On earth, like in this fallen world, we are taught to be independent. To not depend on anyone else to make us happy. That needing someone is a weakness that makes us vulnerable to hurt and pain and ultimately like betrayal. But when we're looking at our relationship with Christ, it is quite the opposite. When you're fully dependent on him, he works through you. He works through you and shows himself by reducing your fear, touching people's lives, teaching you true resilience and developing your character and purpose. When we try to be independent from God, we quite literally try to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. I mean, so many of us, the whole world, it seems like right now, everyone, wrestles with control and anxiety and worry. And we become like spiritually and physically exhausted. 
there's no space for him to fill. So in seeking the glory, we actually forfeit the grace. I do nothing to deserve, to earn, to manifest, or to be worthy of God's boundless grace. Nothing. He gives us that because of who he is. So if you want to learn more <laughs> about who calls you his own, or if you know him and you want to deepen your relationship, or if you just want to listen to someone who is imperfect like you and see an example that he still loves you, then this podcast is for you. Next episode, we will talk about finding purpose in the waiting. Until then, I dare you to start looking for God's grace in your daily life. I promise you it's there.